Did any of y'all grow up with um, sports heroes or people who you idolized? Yes? No? Maybe? Yes? Okay. Um, you know, when I was growing up, when I was really young, um, I listened to the Cardinals baseball um, all the time on the radio, and I always wanted to be like Bob Gibson or Lou Brock. Um, you know, I had this dream that I'd be able to pitch like Bob Gibson or I'd be able to uh, run the bases and hit like Lou Brock. Um, and uh, as I got a little older and I started playing ball myself, a- and I discovered that nobody wanted to be a catcher on a Little League team. Uh, so if you volunteered to be a catcher, you got to play every game and every inning and you were in every... Uh, I-, I volunteered to be a catcher. I have no idea what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> And so then I wanted to be like Ted Simmons. Um, Y'all remember, right? Oh, wait, you're on this side of the state. Maybe you don't. uh, (laughs) um, But I wanted to be like Ted Simmons, and so I even taught myself to hit left-handed because if I was going to be like Ted Simmons, I had to be able to bat from both sides of the plate, right? Um, And so I I emulated Ted Simmons, um, but I didn't ever become quite the same kind of ball player that Ted Simmons was. Um, when I got older and I was in high school, um, the, the person who I began to idolize, see if this name sounds familiar to you. Does the name Jim Ryan sound familiar? Um, you know, Jim Ryan was um, the U.S. record holder and the world record holder in the mile, and he was uh, the first person to run under four minutes in the mile in high school. And so um, I, I learned when I got to high school that baseball uh, wasn't my gift, uh, football and basketball weren't my gift, but um, I, I, could, I could run and um, not get tired, or not get as tired as other folks did. And so uh, I began to run track, and our high school record was 421, and I was determined that I was going to break the high school record in track and field. I mean, after all, Jim Ryan had done it, so surely I could do it, right? So all I needed to do was uh, watch videos of Jim Ryan, right? If I watched videos, I could do it. No? No? I mean, if I just thought about it, I could run under four minutes like, I mean, Jim Ryan did it. Surely I could do it, right? Or maybe if I just went out on the track and tried really hard, I'd be able to run under four minutes. How do you think that worked for me? Not too well, huh? You are right. Uh, I soon learned that if I wanted to run as fast as Jim Ryan, that I needed to do the other things Jim Ryan did in between running the mile in competition. Uh, There were some practices that I needed to do if I wanted to be a good miler. I needed uh, to run. If I wanted to be a good miler, I needed to run five or six miles a day, three or four days a week. Now, that seems strange. I mean, I only wanted to run a mile. Why do I need to practice five or six miles? Um, I I needed to uh, uh, do interval work where I would run uh, 440 yards. Yeah, kids are like, 440 yards, what is that? Like, we do metrics now. Everything is, they don't even run the mile in high school anymore, right? 
1,500 meters, I think is what they do, or 1,600. Uh, but um, we did intervals, um, and so then I would have to uh, run um, as fast as I could for uh, one lap around the track, and then I could walk halfway around the track and do that over and over again. And it's like, but I'm, I don't want to run the 440. I want to run the mile. What is up with that? Well, I learned that if I wanted to be a good miler, uh, that the answer was not to just run the mile over and over and over again and try harder and harder and harder to run the mile. I learned that there were proven practices that if I did, uh, if I put into place on a daily basis, I would be a better miler. Now, unfortunately, I did those things, and I never broke the school record, and I'm still sad about it today. I got close. I got to 425. That's pretty good, huh? Uh, but, um, uh, but I did get to be, I mean, when I started, I was running the mile like about 520 or something like that. So um, when you put into practice those Proven things that you know um, get you there, um, then you see results. You know, the same thing is true with our spiritual faith, isn't it? Um, We often think, and especially in the church, when we get into this mindset of membership rather than discipleship, we, we get in this mindset that if we just get people to show up at worship, if we just get people to join the church, uh, that just by coming and sitting in the chair, because these are blessed chairs, you sit in these chairs, you become disciples of Jesus, and you can live and love like Jesus simply by coming to the church. Is that how it works? Don't we wish that's how it worked? The reality is, is that there are things we need to put into practice. Now, you all may think I'm nuts, because often when we begin to talk this way, um, we've been so programmed that like, um, well, now, wait, are you talking about works, rights? Are you saying that we um, have to do things to earn God's favor? Uh, what, what are you up to? Well, let's see. I'm just up to the same thing that the Apostle Paul was up to. Um, Let's look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to begin in the middle of verse 7. And here's what uh, he says. Train yourself for a holy life. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Train yourself for a holy life. While physical training has some value, training in holy living is useful for everything. It has promised for this life now and the life to come. This saying is reliable and deserves complete acceptance. We work and we struggle for this. Our hope is set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command these things, teach them. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. Instead, set an example for the believers through your speech, your behavior, your love, your faith, and by being sexually pure. 
Until I arrive, pay attention to the public reading, to preaching, and to teaching. Don't neglect the spiritual gift in you that was given through the prophecy when the elders laid hands on you. Practice these things and live by them so that your progress will be visible to all. Focus on working on your own development and on what you teach. If you do this, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Do you hear the importance of not just trying harder, but uh, training and putting into practice those proven things that can shape our spiritual lives? Listen to these words from um, Hebrews. Now, remember, these are from um, the the author of Hebrews. These are not my words, okay? Um, Hebrews chapter 5, and um, I'm going to begin verse 7. During his days on earth, Christ offered prayers and requests with loud cries and tears as as his sacrifices to the one who was able to save him from death. He was heard because of his godly devotion. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And after he had been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for everyone who obeys him. He was appointed by God to be a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We have a lot to say about this topic, and it's difficult to explain because you have been lazy and you haven't been listening. Remember, this is the author of Hebrews, not me. Although you should have been teachers by now, you need someone to teach you an introduction to the basics about God's message. You have come to the place where you need milk instead of solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is not used to the word of righteousness because they are babies. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between good and evil. Do you hear these two passages emphasizing the importance of of training, of putting into practice these spiritual habits that shape us and form us? See, um, if we want to be a people who embody God's love and presence, if we want to be people who live and love like Jesus, if we want to be people who make a difference in the lives of other people, if we want to be a congregation who creates life-giving communities that change lives, we have to do more than just try harder. We have to do more than come and hope that by osmosis or something that we become people who live and love like Jesus. See, it seems like the mistake that we often make is that we think that uh, that um, we think that following Jesus means that we are to try harder at loving our neighbor. We think that it means we're to try harder to be good people. We think that it means we're to try um, harder to uh, love our enemy. We think that it means to try harder, and you fill in the blank, to do the things that Jesus did when he was on the spot. 
But what it really means is it means that we are called to train ourselves as Jesus did. If we pay attention to Scripture, we know that Jesus was familiar with Scripture. Um, We're told when he was 12 years old that he was in the temple and that the temple leaders were amazed by his understanding and his knowledge of Scripture. We know that Jesus spent time in prayer and solitude. Uh, The Gospel of Luke tells us often that before Jesus made major decisions, before he began his ministry, he went away to be in solitude. Before he named his disciples, he went away to be in solitude and prayer. If we want to live and to love like Jesus, we have to participate in the spiritual habits that Jesus participated in. You see, I think the general uh, failing of humans and maybe the general failing of us in the church is that we want to do what is right and what is important. And yet we fail to commit ourselves to a life, and to the habits that will bring that about. We want to find a shortcut. You know, it's always amazing when I tell folks um, what I needed to do in order to run the mile well in high school. And I would talk about running six or seven miles or running these intervals, and I'm sure as I'm talking about them, some of you are sitting there thinking, That sounds like a lot of work and not much fun. But see, I wanted to run the mile fast. And I knew that's what I needed. And so to me, they weren't work. They weren't unpleasant. Um, They were simply the habits that I needed to do to run the mile better. I enjoyed them. I know you find that hard to believe. Who would enjoy running six or seven miles? I'm not sure I'd say that today. I'm not so motivated to run the mile under four minutes today. In fact, I'm okay running the mile at about 10 minutes today. But I am, and I do want to live and love like Jesus. I do want to live and love like Jesus. And I hope that I desire that as much as I desired to break the school record in high school. Because when I do, I discover that these spiritual habits, they are not things that I have to do. They are things that I want to do. Because I know if I do them, they're proven through history. That if the people of God participate in these spiritual habits, they grow in their likeness to Jesus. And the strange thing is, is the more that we practice them, you know, the more we practice them and the more we become like Jesus, we actually find it difficult not to love our neighbor. Get your head around that. You know, I think so often we talk about how difficult it is to love our neighbor or to love our enemies or to do uh, good sometimes. But when we participate in these spiritual habits and practices, we discover that it's difficult not to live and to love like Jesus. Because these spiritual practices open us up 
to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not about trying harder to change ourselves. It's about remaining connected to the God, to God's Spirit, which works deep within us to shape us and to form us. And we discover that when we participate in these spiritual habits on a daily basis, that in the midst of crisis and difficult times, we don't have to try to be like Jesus because we have practiced these spiritual habits. We are amazed that we are able, in and through the power and the presence of the Spirit, to be a witness and to share God's love and grace, even in very difficult times. What are these spiritual habits? Well, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. This is when the early church gathered together. It says, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Now, there's a a lot there in that scripture. We're not going to try to unpack that. When groups meet this evening and on Tuesday, um, I'm going to invite you all to unpack all the spiritual habits that you see in that passage from Acts chapter 2. But I want to highlight at least a, a, a few spiritual habits that are tried and proven that if we put them into practice, If we participate in these habits, we will indeed become people who live and love more and more like Jesus each and every day. I'm sure you've heard them before. You probably know what they are. Scripture, study, and meditation. Have you heard anybody encourage you to do that in the past? Hopefully, yes? Scripture study and meditation. Um, Maybe just taking a passage of Scripture and reading it for a whole week. And just um, not worrying about unpacking it, but just reading it and letting it resonate in your hearts. A good passage for that is John 15, 1-5. You can look that up and see what that says. Um, Bible study. A scripture study is when we dig a little bit deeper uh, to see if we can understand what God's ways are, not just to get more information. 
When we study Scripture, it's never just to get information so that we know more about God or more about Jesus. It's so that as we read Scripture and we hear the stories and we see how Jesus lived and we hear how the early church lived, that that begins to sink in. It begins to shape us in ways we may not even understand and we begin uh, to, to actually live out and find our place in the story. You may have guessed, you know, your, the, the 60-60 experiment that we did. Um, I, don't believe there, I, I, I don't believe there's anything more important than for us to practice being aware of God's presence. It's hard to be a follower of Jesus. It's hard to be shaped by Jesus if we live most of life unaware that the Spirit is with us each and every moment of the day. And so one of the most important things that we can do is being aware of God's presence each and every moment of our lives. Probably one of the biggest things we need to do in our society today is we need to practice some of the uh, spiritual habits of of abstinence. Um, and, And in that, I mean solitude and silence and slowing down. We are a society that is so busy doing everything else, we convince ourselves we don't have time to practice the spiritual habits that will shape us to live in love like Jesus. And we wonder why we have a hard time living and loving like Jesus. We need to learn to slow down to reflect on what is important, and to set our priorities that way. I tell people when they tell me, I don't have time to read Scripture, I don't have time to participate in a spiritual formation group, Um, I don't have time to do these things. Well, you got the time. What you don't have is the priority. You don't want to live in love like Jesus as much as I wanted to run under four minutes in the mile in high school. We have time for all the other things that we seem to think that are important. We have no problem practicing other things that make us good in our careers or good in our sports or good fans of the Kansas City Chiefs. We have no problems practicing those things. But the reality is, like it or not, if we do not train, if we do not participate in the spiritual habits, if you think that coming on Sunday morning, even if you come every Sunday, is sufficient to shape you and to form you into the likeness of Jesus Christ, You are gravely mistaken. Or maybe you are a special people. It never worked for me. I need those daily habits. I need the habits of gathering with community 
to continue to be shaped and formed. When we want to live and love like Jesus, as much as we want the other things in life, we will not be too busy for spiritual habits. We will not find them to be a burden. We will find them to be a lifeline that enables us to live life well. They will enable us to be the church of Jesus Christ. A church that invites and encourages and challenges more and more people to connect with God and each other, to grow in relationship with Jesus, and to go empowered and gifted by the Holy Spirit to truly make a difference in the lives of people in our community and the world. But it won't happen if we think that somehow sitting on the cushion will give us the power to live in love like Jesus. It will not happen until we begin to train ourselves for the holy life and to put into practice spiritual habits. I invite you this day to reflect upon that and to think about what spiritual habits you might begin to incorporate into your life so that the Spirit might work within you and you might discover that living and loving like Jesus is maybe not as hard as we think it is when we participate in practices. Amen.
please, uh, please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this, uh, this wonderful day. That as we gather here in this place, you are here with us. In this moment, whatever it is we're each facing in our lives, you are right here in this place, in this time, in this situation. Holy God, we thank you for Dan and Deb, their leadership that they bring to our church. And as, as our hearts are with them this morning, your heart is with them as well. What an amazing thought that that is. To know that as we grieve, you grieve. As we laugh, you laugh. No matter what situation we are in in this life, you are in that situation with us. We thank you, God, for being an amazing God that loves us even when we fall, that picks us up when we fail. We thank you for being a God that wants us to grow in your grace. To, to draw closer to you no matter what is going on in this life every moment you're saying I'm with you, just come a little closer we thank you for that again, whether we're here in Cameron United Methodist Church, whether we are in Puerto Rico wherever we are there you are so as we go and out and touch lives around us as we go out and, and to do your work Lord, you are there in that place already preparing for the work to be done. So we pray for those that are grieving in this community. We pray for those that are hurting in this community. We pray for those in Puerto Rico that need someone just to come and help with building buildings or building lives. Whatever it is that you call us to go and do, we thank you that you're with us in our situations. What an honor it is to be with those folks in their situations, bringing your love and praise. So, as your faithful people, we come to you now, as Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <coughs> now, uh, kids, would you like to come up for a children's moment? And as they're coming forward, if you want to take a moment and greet those who are around you, say good morning.